Uh, I want to say thank you so much. I just want to start by saying thank you for last week. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers and encouragement and prophetic words and gifts and hugs. You know, I don't like hugs, but thank you for everyone who hugged me. Uh, it was just, we felt so blessed. Me and Haley were just saying how blessed we felt to be part of such a loving family. And we just felt so loved last week. And that was the kind of thing we really got out of it. So thank you so much for that. And how good was Jeremy's message, by the way, last week? If you've not heard it, check it out on, uh, on the website. It's amazing, talking about a new season for Jubilee. So it's really, really exciting. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Romans 8, uh, verse 31. And we're continuing our series this morning, uh, In Christ I Am. What an exciting series it's been. Who's enjoying it so far? It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I want to start by plugging a book for you. Okay, now I never plug books, so you know it's going to be a good one if I'm recommending it to you. Okay, but this is a book uh, by a guy called Andrew Bunt, who's now part of a church in Hastings, uh, but he was actually part of a church in Darlington. He did FP there a few years ago while I was part of that church. All right, now Andrew is a really good young theologian. What that means is he's very, very, very clever. Okay, so when Andrew first came to Darlington, uh, I was kind of given a job to look after him and welcome him to Teesside and, and to Darlington. Uh, so what I did was, the first thing I did is I took him for chicken parmo, obviously. Um, I quickly realised that me and Andrew were very, very different. Okay, Andrew is very intelligent to the point where he owns several Greek and Hebrew books uh, and me, so we didn't get on that well. <laughs> but actually, we learned a lot from each other over that year. And anyway, Andrew's written this amazing book called Who in Heaven's Name Do You Think You Are? And it fits really nicely alongside this series. So I would encourage you to grab a copy, three pounds off Amazon, really cheap, okay? And use it to just really reflect on what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. You might want to use it in your uh, community groups or your smaller group study times as well as a real uh, guide to help lead your discussions, okay? So that's that plug, okay? Right, on to the main event then. Let's start reading. If you've got a Bible, uh, it's Romans 8. If not, it should appear behind us. Our topic for today is, In Christ I am victorious. Okay, let's read Romans 8. Okay, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, I've said that twice, haven't I? Or, naked... <laughs> or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will, e will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in cre Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, that was hard. Okay. <laughs> what an amazing passage. We're going to be going through that today. We've got three points as usual. Point one, an overwhelming victory. 
Point two, victory over the unknown. And point three, a spiritual victory. Let's pray before we go any further. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you that your word is alive today, Lord. Thank you that you speak to us through the Bible, Lord. You make it real and relevant to us, Lord Jesus. And I just want to pray this morning as we unpack your word, Lord, would you be speaking to our hearts, Lord? Lord, would you open our ears to hear from you this morning, Lord? I pray that we'll leave here today, Lord, changed people, Lord, changed by you having heard your word, Lord Jesus. We welcome you here today, Lord, and thank you so much, Lord, for the pleasure it is to be in your presence. Amen. Okay, so point one, an overwhelming victory. I'm going to start this morning by talking about football, okay? So don't switch off. (laughs) Alan Earl, this is for you, mate, okay? Um, See, actually, football fits in really well with this point, okay? And it's not often we get to talk about football in church. But if you think about football, okay, at the start of the season, every single team sets out with the same goal, to become league champions, Yeah? So throughout the season, in the Premier League, you play 38 games, and every team will try and become victorious over the league. One team wants to become victorious and become champions, okay? But what happens is, at the end of the season, all the teams reset and go back to zero points again, don't they? So you might have a champion one season, but at the end of the season, they all go back to zero points, because that is a temporary victory. Does that make sense? So last season, for example, Little Leicester City became champions. They defied all of the odds and became the champions of England. But the next season, the league reset. They went back to zero points and they were rubbish again. Okay. (laughs) That is a temporary victory. Or if we look at history for a second, for those of you who don't like sports, okay, in the past, countries would fight against countries, wouldn't they? Nations would fight to overtake nations. And what would happen? One nation would become victorious and they would become the people who owned that nation. A few years later, a different nation would come and overtake that nation and become victorious, and so on, and so on. Because, again, that was a temporary victory. See, in life, there is only one lasting victory. There's no other victories like this one, because every other victory will eventually be surpassed, just like the nations and just like the uh, football But the one lasting victory is Jesus' victory over sin and death, which we, who trust and treasure Jesus, get to celebrate in and be part of because we are in Christ. Yeah. So this passage in Romans is an amazing encouragement that just reminds us of that. But what does it mean? What's the significance of Jesus' victory? Well, this is something that I've just grasped recently uh, as I've been preparing for this sermon. It just kind of struck me in a new way. And uh, and God does that, doesn't he? Sometimes you'll you'll know a lot about God, you'll know a lot about Christianity, but then God will just strike you with something and remind you of uh, of how real it is in your own life. That happens all the time. And uh, God just reminded me of this, uh, the importance of his victory. Let me explain it to you, okay? So, death is a big deal for us as people, isn't it? So people think about death all of the time. People think about dying all of the time. As a famous American politician, Benjamin Franklin says, there's only two certainties in life. They are death and taxes. Yes, death and taxes. So no matter what, we can't escape death. One day we will all die. And that can be a scary thought. 
So life can pass you by in a moment and you're one step closer to death. And a lot of people will see death as being pretty final, won't they? So people say, say to me, okay, when I die, all that's going to happen is a light's going to get switched off and that's going to be it, the end of the road. That's quite depressing, isn't it? For people to think that, that's scary because the truth is death is a lot, lot worse than that. But this is where victory comes into it. Because what Jesus did by dying on the cross and rising again three days later was defeat death. He defeated death and he's the only person in history ever to look straight at death and say, no thanks, I'm quite happy living, actually. And the significance of that is amazing. And that is the part that struck me as I was planning this talk. Now, it's simple, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because of Jesus' victory over death, we get to enjoy eternal life. Did you hear that? Eternal life. You should be celebrating right now. Eternal life. We get to celebrate eternal life. I know. Victory. By being in Christ, we can share in his victory and have eternal life in heaven because this is a victory that lasts forever. If that doesn't make you want to worship, I don't know what will. (laughs) But it gets better. Because of Jesus' lasting victory, we don't have to wait until we physically die to, uh, to enjoy God's presence. No, when, we, uh, when we're in Christ, we get to enjoy God's presence now. Because Jesus gave us access to God's presence straight away. We can be in God's presence. We can enjoy God's kingdom right now. And that's what we've been doing this morning. As, uh, as American worship leader Jake Hamilton puts it in his song, Embrace, I don't want to wait to go to heaven when I die. I want to go right now. We get to enjoy uh, God's kingdom right now. And we can actively seek God's kingdom as well, can't we? In fact, Jesus tells us to do that. Jesus says when you pray, ask for your kingdom to come. You know, Jesus asked us to, uh, to, to be seeking God's kingdom in all things. And that's something that we can do because of Jesus' victory. So the good news is, guys, you're on the winning side now. You're on the winning side and you can pray in confidence for Christ's victory in your own life. How good's that? You can reflect on that while I drink some juice, okay? But there's another result of that victory. The verses that we read start to speak about some of the things that worry us in life. So this is some of the things off the list. Trouble, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger of death, So it lists a few things that we worry about. But then it says, why on earth should you worry because you have victory over all things when you are in Christ? You know, why should you worry about anything on this list? Because Christ is victorious over all these things. How good is that as an encouragement? Because one of the things that we're really good at as people is worrying, isn't it? So life gets tough and we spend most of our time worrying about various situations. But this passage is telling us the exact opposite of that. It's telling us to have confidence uh, because of Jesus' lasting uh, victory over death. You see, no matter what happens in our life, and you could list anything else on there, you could put a few things in there, you know, uh, divorce, unemployment, refugee status, no matter what's going on in your life, in spite of anything else, God's victory will never end So nothing that this world has ever or could ever throw at you can overcome the fact that Christ is victorious and he is in a lasting victory. 
I mean, look at verse 31. This is a really famous verse. We sing it all the time. If our God is for us, who can be against us? If our God is for us, who can be against us? That should excite you. I remember a few years ago being at New Day and uh, 6,000 young people were declaring that. They were singing, if God is for us, who can be against us? And uh, I remember just looking around during the worship and just thinking, wow, like 6,000 young people with all of the issues that they've got going on, with things like parents getting divorced and anxiety issues and self-esteem issues, but despite all of that, 6,000 young people were declaring that if God is for them, who can be against them? incredible. Or a few weeks ago on Palm Sunday at Easter, there was a church, uh, you might have heard about this on the news, there was a church in Egypt which uh, there was a terrorist attack, it got blown up on Palm Sunday. A week later that very same church was absolutely packed with people coming to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because when God is for us, who can be against us? Come on. Let me use an analogy here, okay? Um, imagine a courtroom, okay? Imagine being in court, and the judge is there, the jury's there, the, the witnesses are there, and you're there on stands, okay? So you're there ready for your trial, okay? And the judge says, the judge says, okay, I'm going to welcome the prosecution now. I'm going to welcome your accuser up to bring the charges against you. So you're standing there waiting for this. But the problem is no one gets up. No one gets up, there's no one. And the judge is looking around, he's saying, oh, where's, where's, the, uh, where's the accuser? Where's the guy who's going to persecute you? There's no one to stand up. Why? Because when God is for you, no one can stand against you. Jubilee, what are the victories in your life that you've seen? What areas of your life has God brought you victory in? Do you recognize these? Have you shared these with others? Sharing stories of God's victory in your life, sharing testimonies is a real encouragement to others. You should do it. Recognize those victories in your own life. So that's point one. Remember, in Christ, you have a lasting victory, one that will never end. What an encouragement. I think there's some people this morning who need to hear that, who need to hear that Christ has given them a lasting victory. If there's situations in your life where you're struggling to see victory in, okay, I want you to just remember that through Christ, you've got a lasting victory. We're going to pray for some people at the end. Okay, let's move on. Point two is victory over the unknown. Let me tell you a quick story. A few weeks ago, me and Haley went out for a walk, okay? It was a nice Friday afternoon. We were both off work, and we decided to go out for a lovely walk, okay? And I'd planned for this to be a little stroll out into the countryside, all right? My wife's heavily pregnant, so we couldn't go too far. Um, and we started walking, and after about half an hour or so, I began to realise I was lost, and I had no idea where I was going. And even worse, Google Maps doesn't work on your phone in the middle of nowhere. Did you know that? I was like, oh, it's fine, Google will save me. Got my phone out, it was just green everywhere. So... <laughs> So I carried on walking, anyway. Haley says to me, Gav, do you know where we're going? Yes, Haley, this is great. We're going to go on a nice circular walk, and it's going to bring us back to the car. So, <laughs> so we walked, and it was an hour into the walk. Haley's saying, Gav, Gav, I'm hungry. I said, don't worry. We're reaching a halfway point soon. I was panicking. <laughs> the unknown was happening. Two hours into this walk, I finally plucked up the courage to admit to Haley that we were lost. 
Imagine how that went down. <laughs> I literally had to coax her back to the car with sweets and chocolate. I said, 10 more steps and you can have a bite of this chocolate bar. 20 more steps and you can have a bag of crisps. We made it back. The point is this, as people we fear the unknown, don't we? We love to have everything in our lives in order. We like to have every minute detail of our lives planned and anything that unexpectedly changes our plans brings us great concern. As people, we don't like the unknown. The unknown can often frighten us. You see it in the Bible. Look at the book of Joshua. Anyone who's been reading the Bible in one year, who's been reading that on the app? I know some of us have. Come on, Jen, representing. And yeah, three people, four people. Okay, everyone go home and download the app. Nikki Gumbel's Bible in one year. It's incredible, okay? Uh, devotional app. You get to read your Bible every day. Your phone reminds you to read your Bible every day. Incredible. But you see it in the book of Joshua, okay? So God's people, the Israelites, have been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're just about to step into the promised land. Right? They're just about to step into glory. And they all start panicking. They all start getting worried to the point where God literally has to tell them not to worry. God literally says to them, do not fear. Now that's incredible to think about, really. Because you think about the Israelite people, they've been walking around in the wilderness for 40 years. God's been providing for them. God's been literally sending food from heaven to feed them. But still, they panic. Still, they fear the unknown. They've got to trust in a God who's cared for them for 40 years, but they still panic and fear the unknown. Why? Because that is a common problem for humans, for people. We fear the unknown. And that's something that can affect us as a church. So we're going through a little bit of a period of unknown at the moment, Jubilee, aren't we? We're trying new things. We're serving in new areas. We've got a new eldership team. And people can look at this unknown and start to feel a little bit unsettled or apprehensive. But what I want to say to you this morning is that Christ is victorious over the unknown. Let me put this in a way you can tweet later. All right, we need a good tweeting point in every sermon. All right, why worry about what the future holds when you know the one who holds the future? Come on. Hashtag blessed, okay? Why worry about what the future holds when you know the one who holds the future? Why as people do we worry about unknown things when we've got a God who's victorious over the unknown? Water break. Okay. And this is something God's been talking to me a lot about lately in my own life. I've got a lot of unknown things coming up in my own life and even in the last couple of weeks, I found myself getting really worried about the unknown, about the future, to the point where even on an evening, I was kind of sat in bed and I was worrying uh, and just panicking about the future in terms of a job, in terms of being a parent, in terms of church. And I found myself getting really, really kind of apprehensive and worried. I had this fear. I was gripped by a fear almost. And then one day, I felt God really tell me off. We get that, don't we, sometimes? God tells us off. And I felt like God tell me off because he said to me, why are you worrying about the future? Jesus didn't die for you so you can sit up and worry about what tomorrow holds. He called you to have faith and to trust in him who has victory over tomorrow. I had to change my mindset, and I did. And, and from that point, I've started to uh, lose this fear of the unknown. And that's a mindset I believe we need to step into as a church. 
Let's not be fearful, but let's have faith and trust in God for the unknown things. Let me use one of my favorite quotes of all time from Martin Luther King Jr. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. Let's get a mindset of faith and trust in God for the unknown things. Remember that God is victorious over the unknown. So we are in Christ also victorious over the unknown things. We don't need to worry. Incredible. Okay, we're stepping on to point three now. The final point, a spiritual victory. I want to talk about our biggest victory in life, and that's a spiritual victory victory. Sometimes we get scared to talk about spiritual things in church, don't we? I do, anyway. (laughs) So you might need to hold on to your seats for this last point. We're going to talk about spiritual things. Uh, But Ephesians chapter 6 is very clear. In verse 12 it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world." against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Like, it couldn't be any clearer. We're in a battle, guys. We're in a fierce, spiritual battle. And that's something that we're all caught up in. So Mark Driscoll says it in one of his books. He says, every Christian, every Christian is a soldier in a war, including little kids praying at night, and old ladies who wear head coverings as they carry their King James Bibles into church. Guys, all of us are soldiers in a war. We're in a spiritual battle that is real, it's relevant, and it can't be ignored. So I want to quickly unpack what spiritual things we might face before giving you some encouragement on how we can deal with spiritual oppression. See, as Christians, spiritual activity affects us every day. It can affect our relationships in and out of church. It can affect our thoughts, our actions, our desires, how we see ourselves, our ministries, our workplaces. Spiritual activity can be something as simple as feeling down or depressed or angry or even tempted. All of these things can be part of spiritual oppression and spiritual attack. Now, I don't want to overplay this, okay, because some things that go wrong in our lives are the result of our own sin, situations we get ourselves into. The Bible talks about that, okay? The devil is not responsible for every bit of evil in your lives, all right? And some Christians over-spiritualize everything, and that can be unhelpful, okay, because we lose touch with reality. But it's equally important to recognize that we've got an enemy who is real, yeah? C.S. Lewis says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Guys, the devil exists, that's a fact. Even rapper Kanye West recognises this in one of his songs. The devil is alive, feeling, breathing. Keeping church relevant there, guys. (laughs) The truth is, we have an enemy who wants to unsettle us, yeah? He's against God, he's against God's people. But the even bigger truth is this, Jesus is victorious over the enemy. That's the whole point of the Bible, the spiritual battle is won by Jesus, end of story. I want to share some experience from my own life of when I faced 
spiritual battle. When I was first a Christian, I used to have uh, a, a real need to be liked by others. My one thing that I used to always want to feel is liked and loved by others, especially in church. And I started, started to put this kind of unhealthy obsession with being liked by others to the point where I would overthink things so much I began to think that everyone in my church hated me. Like, it sounds, it sounds funny, but it's really not. Like, someone would come to me and say, Gav, you've just led a really good small group there. Do you know what? It was amazing. I really felt touched by God. But you could maybe speak a little bit slower. And suddenly, still a common problem, suddenly I'd start to think that that person hated me. Or someone would come on a Sunday morning and say, good morning, Gav, it's, uh, it's great to see you, um, and uh, I'll catch you at the end of church because I'm really busy this morning. I'd suddenly begin to think that that person hated me as well. And this became a bigger and bigger issue to the point where I started to feel like I didn't fit in at church. I started to feel like I didn't belong in church because I felt like people didn't like me. And it's a cycle that continued for a good few years. And around that time in Darlington, I was living with this amazing family. Uh, some of you might have met them last week, uh, Liz and Graham Kennedy, they were here. And uh, we lived in this house, and there was three lodgers and a family who lived there. All right, it was the best time of my life, amazing. And every Sunday night, we used to get together at nine o'clock for family prayer. All right? We used to get together, everyone in the house, apart from the kids, and sit around the kitchen table and pray together. I mean, how good does that sound? It really wasn't. Let me tell you, that family prayer time was the most difficult time of, of our lives. We felt spiritual oppression so much during that time. See, we'd get together to pray, and suddenly we'd start falling out. Suddenly, all of the issues of the week would come out during that time. Suddenly, me ignoring the cleaning rot for the bathroom would come out during that time. Suddenly, the fact that Chris Wells left the oven on and wasted gas would come out during that time. Why? Because when we get together to pray, the enemy doesn't like it and we face, uh, we face opposition during that. Yeah? Does anyone here find prayer meetings hard? Anyone here find getting together to pray hard? Let me tell you, that's a good thing. Because the enemy hates it when we pray because things start to happen. When we get together as God's people and pray, the enemy has got no power against us. So that's why it's hard. So let me say, if you find praying tough, good. If you find coming to prayer meetings tough, good. Because that means we're doing the right thing and defeating the enemy. I want to encourage you, get along to Jubilee prayer meetings. Get along to small groups. Pray together because praying is so important. I'm getting distracted now. Okay. During one of our family prayer sessions, okay, as we started to talk, uh, I remember just talking about how someone or other in the church hated me, all right? And I remember Liz. So Liz is kind of like my spiritual mother a little bit. No replacement for my real mom, of course, but she's almost like a spiritual mother. And I remember Liz saying to me, Gav, you need to get out of this mindset. She sat, she sat me down and she said, Gav, you need to get out of this mindset because this issue of not feeling liked, of not feeling loved, is not from God." She said, this issue of you feeling like everyone hates you is from the enemy, it's not from God, and you need to change it. And she was that harsh with me. And that was a turning point for me, because I didn't realise that this issue of being liked was something that wasn't from God. And she said, right, we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and this issue is going to be forgotten about, because if not, you're never going to be able to move on. If you want to step into ministry, if you want to continue to be serving God effectively in the kingdom, then you need to get over this spiritual issue that's going on in your life. And we prayed, and it was tough, and I cried a lot. But actually, that was a turning point in my life. That was, a, that was a, the moment that God brought me victory. 
That was a moment when I realized that this wasn't a, a God thing, but a spiritual attack in my life. I found real victory through that. All right, if the band could come up, uh, I'm going to just end now by giving us some encouragement about how we can fight this spiritual battle. I had planned to talk about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Read it when you go home. All right. But on Wednesday night when we were at our prayer meeting uh, at at St. Cuthbert's, uh, Hannah and Alice were leading us in worship. And it was an incredible time of worship. And I had my talk all planned out. I had my PowerPoint finished and stuff. But just during that worship time, I just felt God really speak to me uh, through one of the songs. They led us in this amazing old hymn, Before the Throne of God Above, uh, written in the 1800s. And I just felt God really struck me during that. And there's a couple of verses in that which just speak volumes about spiritual attack. I've got the words uh, behind us. It just says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because a sinless saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Incredible. How do we deal with spiritual attack? We look up to Jesus. How do we deal with the enemy? We look up to Jesus. We remember that there's a king who sits on the throne who's got the final victory. We know that our ultimate victory is in Jesus and no power of the enemy can stand against that. Nothing that the enemy can do can stand against the fact that Jesus is victorious. So if you're going through spiritual attack this morning, if you've been feeling oppressed for the last few weeks or months, look up to Jesus. That's how you deal with spiritual oppression. That's how you deal with the enemy. Look, we're going to end in a second. We're going to worship. But I want to have some ministry time to finish because I think this is a real issue. All right. There's there's some people here, I think, who've been going through a spiritual attack for a while. You've been feeling the oppression of the enemy. You've been feeling down. You've been feeling defeated almost. I feel like God wants to remind us of some victories this morning. I feel like some people this morning need to remember that, that, that Jesus is victorious in their lives. I think there's some people this morning who have got fear of the unknown. Some people are feeling apprehensive over the future. I feel like God wants to speak to you as well. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship and celebrate victory. And then we're going to have some time of ministry. I think there's a word about healing as well to talk about. Um, So let me pray for us. Let's celebrate victory and then let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are victorious, Lord. Jesus, I thank you that your victory over sin and death is the only true, lasting victory, Lord. And I thank you that that's a final victory and we can celebrate in that because we are in Christ. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, would you start to reveal areas of our own lives to us, Lord. Areas that we need to see victory in, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just want to pray for boldness this morning, for people to step out, Lord. People who have been going through uh, various issues, various spiritual oppression, I pray for boldness this morning to step out, Lord, and receive prayer. But Lord, we want to celebrate your lasting victory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.